Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Faces of TBI podcast series. I am Amy Zauer, founder of FacesofTBI.com and your host. Today, I will be chatting with Maggie Fowler about medical cannabis use and with brain injury. This episode is brought to you by Midwest Functional Neurology, a Minneapolis-based clinic staffed by a caring and progressive team of functional neurologists who are experienced in treating post-concussion syndrome, chronic pain, dizziness, whiplash, and migraines. They are the concussion doctors you can trust for comprehensive brain health in the Midwest. They have greatly helped me and many others, and you can find them online at mnfunctionalneurology.com. Hello, I am Amy Zellner, and you are listening to Faces of TBI, a podcast series for survivors by survivors, raising awareness about traumatic brain injury one podcast at a time. For those of you who might not be familiar with who I am, I am a TBI survivor from a fall on the ice in February of 2014, and I am a frequent contributor to the Huffington Post, the Global, and the Good Men Project, and I volunteer on the Brain Injury Association of America's Advisory Council, and I recently released my second book, Embracing the Journey, Moving Forward After Brain Injury. You can learn more about me and the podcast at facesoftbi.com. And be sure to check out the Brain Health Academy that I have co-created with Sue Wilson of CTE Hope. You can also follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Amy Zellmer. So today I'm very excited for my guest. Today we have Maggie Sauver. And Maggie joined Canacare Docs in January of 2015 as a member of the company's Mid-Atlantic expansion team. She worked closely with Delaware's Office of Medical Marijuana during the implementation of the state's medical marijuana program, forming strong relationships with state regulators and administrators. Promoted to Mid-Atlantic Operations Manager in January 2016, Maggie oversaw CanCare's April 2016 opening of its first office in Maryland, Tacoma Park. She has since continued the Maryland expansion and has opened CanCare Doc offices in Pakistan, Columbia, and Baltimore, Maryland. Informed by her perspective as a victim of a serious car crash, Maggie was inspired to pursue a career in healthcare advocacy. She has become a strong advocate for medical cannabis and has devoted significant energy in support of the Delaware Senate's 2017 passage of the Bravery Bill, improving veterans' access to medical cannabis. She also serves on the Board of Directors and Strategic Planning Committee for Delaware State Chapter of the National Organization for the Reform of Marijuana Laws. So welcome to the podcast, Maggie. Hang on, I'm getting you off on mute here. There we go. So welcome to the podcast, Maggie. I'm so thrilled to have you here today. Thanks, Amy. I'm thrilled to be here. You know, and and I think this is such an important topic, and I get that it's, you know, extremely controversial as well, the whole medical cannabis um you know, topic. And so I'm really, really happy to have you here today and just hopefully clear up some myths or some misnomers about medical marijuana and just really help get some great information out there about, um, you know, what's going on in legislation and all that stuff across the country. So thank you so much for being here to chat with our listeners. Absolutely. 
So Mayhe and I actually met when I spoke at the Delaware conference this past March, and I was super excited to find her because, uh, like I said, this is a topic that, you know, needs a lot of intelligent conversation. Um, so I was really thrilled when she agreed to come on the podcast and chat about it. So maybe, maybe um, why don't we start with having you just give us a little bit of your background and, you know, how, how you became interested in working with brain injury people and how you your journey into working with medical marijuana. All right. So um, my journey um, being involved with medical cannabis started through my sister-in-law has a progressive MS and she had unfortunately deteriorated uh, pretty rapidly and pretty severely. Uh, She was under the care of a phenomenal neurologist in Delaware who recommended that she get involved in the medical marijuana program that was just about to launch in Delaware. Um, Being that she was, um, you know, so severely affected by MS, she wasn't able to drive or do a lot of the things that she would need to be able to do to be able to get the medical cannabis. So she asked me if I would be her caregiver. And I, I said, of course, you know, I, I really care for taking care of people who, you know, need that extra help. Uh, it really prompted me to want to do some research on it, though. I remembered a long time ago Montel Williams coming out and saying how <laughs> instrumental cannabis was for him being able to continue his career, even though he had MS. Um, when yeah, I, was gonna I did say, the he research, had, he had MS. I know he's been yes. a big um, advocate in the in the TBI world. Yeah, for well over a decade, absolutely. Yeah, phenomenal. Yeah, uh, when I did the research, I really was convinced of how much promise and potential medical cannabis has, and that's what got me interested in trying to reverse some of the stigmas that have been out there, reverse some of the misinformation. Mm-hmm and really uh, bring this into mainstream medicine and have this be a tool in every physician's toolbox to help their patients. So that's a little bit of where I got started. And brain injuries are very um, personal to me for reasons other than MS. Um, There's actually a blood clotting disorder that's prevalent in my family that I've witnessed my mother go through a series of strokes because of. So it's um it's touched home in many different ways. Yeah. So you know maybe I, I, I'm struggling where even to start because there's like 101 questions I want to cover in our 30 minutes together. <laughs> but um, I think maybe the the best place to start is understanding what medical marijuana means and. There's so much misunderstanding around, you know, for instance, you know, Minnesota has the, the word people we hear thrown around is that they legalize medical marijuana. Um, so maybe you can help us understand what that really means. I'm sorry, I missed that last part there. So, oh, so maybe you can help us understand what that does mean when people say that a state has legalized medical marijuana? 
So that means that they have instituted a framework and a structure of laws and regulations that make it possible for companies to be able to grow and process cannabis for patients to be able to use. So it um, it involves quite a lot of effort on the state's part to get these programs up and operational to select the people and the companies that are going to be able to uh, grow and process the cannabis. It also requires them to set up a framework of laboratories that are able to test the medical cannabis uh, as testing. It is a uh, very uh, large component of what makes sure people know they're getting safe medicine that's free of any uh, residuals, free of any molds, free of any pesticides. So the, the laboratory uh, testing component is very important. And, and so, oh, go ahead. And um, so, so usually there's, um, you know, a, a lot that goes into being able to make it so that a patient can use cannabis. They uh, don't have physicians write prescriptions for medical cannabis because you cannot write a description for a Schedule One substance. So usually the framework also calls upon the state to issue the um, final approval or card as it is in most states for a patient to be able to utilize that system of uh, purchasing cannabis through a dispensary. And in is are okay are different states different on what is allowed as medical cannabis um my understanding is that some states it can only be dispensed in pill and oil form and other states it can be dispensed um in a smokable product correct uh the variety of different laws and different um, regulations in those laws vary tremendously from state to state. Some, as you said, will only allow it in a pill or a capsule form or an oil form that you're not able to smoke. Uh, some states will not allow for it to be in an edible form that you can eat. There's, a, there's definitely a tremendous amount of difference from state to state as to what the laws allow. And um, in addition to the different forms of cannabis that's able to be dispensed, there's also differences in what qualifying conditions will allow a patient to mm -hmm. access the state's medical program. So very varied. Mm -hmm. Are you still there? I'm I'm not hearing anything right now. Amy? I'm sorry, Nadie. Are you still there? I am. I wasn't able to hear you okay. for quite some time, though. <laughs> yeah, it um, it completely kicked me off. I'm so sorry. Um, oh, no. I love technology. It's <laughs> <Technology laughs> wonderful, is isn't it? <laughs> you know, so I moved a month ago. Ever since I moved, I have had to 
worst he had problems with Blog Talk Radio, and it's probably all like uh, my internet, but it's just so frustrating. Anyways, <laughs> um, I was asking you before I had cut off, um, how the different states, I, I don't know if they're all similar or if they're all vastly different, but I, I believe in Minnesota you have to like apply, you have to have a condition that qualifies. And then they would apply for a medical cannabis card, which costs, I don't know, a couple hundred dollars. And then you're able to um, do the dispensary. Uh, how, did, how did that work? Because I know you said you can't get a prescription. Like, it's not actually a prescription. But, like, is there a recommended dosage that people are told to take by their doctor? Like, how, how does that component of it work? How do you know what you're supposed to take? Um, yeah, that's the really complicated component of it. Um, there really, really isn't a way for a doctor to be able to say, if you take this particular strain with this particular ailment, you're going to have a certain result. Uh, we really have a, a far ways to go with the, the science behind that in determining what exactly is going to work for who. Uh, because one strain might work fabulously for someone with a, you know, a condition, and then someone with the same exact condition can have absolutely you know, no results or even you know, opposing results than that first initial patient. So it's very hard for a physician to be able to say, you know, take this particular dose in this particular form and it will definitely be what you need. Um, because of that, we at Canacare Docs really feel firmly that patients need to be well-educated because it is a very self-driven type of medication. Mm -hmm. They need to, um, you know, understand the cannabinoid profile can greatly affect how a particular strain is going to react with a condition. Um, the terpene profile can have a lot to do with that. Um, and then, as we were saying, there's so many different forms that you can use to consume cannabis. You also need to be educated about the different uh, forms, the uh, amount of time it takes before you'll feel the onset, uh, the duration. Uh, it really is a complicated science that patients really need to have a, a firm understanding of themselves to be able to best utilize it and get the most effectiveness of it as a medicine. But, yeah, physicians don't typically, you know, write it as they would a standard prescription. Um, I, I do believe someday we'll get there. That they'll, you know, definitely be able to dial in this cannabinoid profile is going to be most helpful for this condition. Uh, but because of the Schedule One nature of it, research has really been dramatically held back from uh, what would traditionally be available for most medications that show this must promise. Yeah, and, you know, and I think there's such misunderstanding out there about medical marijuana and, you know, the people who are kind of against it um, think it's all about just smoking it and getting high. Um, and that's not necessarily the case because, like, a lot of, like you said, a lot of it comes in pill, capsule, oil, edibles, like there's gummies out there. Um, and now correct me if I'm wrong, but they don't all have the THC in it, correct? 
Right. So CBD, uh, cannabidiol, is one of the prominent uh, ingredients in the cannabis plant that has enormous medicinal value. CBD has no psychoactive properties whatsoever. Um, And in fact, it regulates uh, downward the psychoactive properties of THC. So when you're using a high CBD strain, you're not getting any of that high. You're only getting the medicinal benefits. And one of the most important medicinal benefits that CBD brings with it is it's a very strong anti-inflammatory. And as I'm sure you know, if you can calm inflammation down, that's the root of a lot of disease conditions. Yes. So you're not just putting a Band-Aid on something. You're actually helping improve the condition. So CBD is and amazing. So now since we, I'm glad that we segue to CBD, um, now as of last time I talked to somebody, I know this keeps changing constantly, um, but I believe CBD is legal in all states. Is that still correct? Do you know the answer to that? Well, that depends. So um, (laughs) technically a hemp-derived CBD technically isn't, um, you know, extremely illegal, but it's not extremely legal either. It's a real gray area. Um, Transporting it across state lines uh, is something that occurs regularly. Um, You can even find it in Whole Foods anymore, but it really is a gray area. Um, Now, when we get into CBD that's derived from a cannabis plant, there's no gray area there. It's not legal um, as far as the federal government is concerned. So, um, you know, using that in a state that doesn't have a medical program that allows it would still be illegal. So it's kind of a really, really gray area there. (laughs) And can you explain what the difference is between hemp-derived and cannabis-derived? They're very similar plants, but they're different, correct? Very similar plants, absolutely. They're from the same genius. But the hemp plant is a far more industrial plant. It's tall and stocky, and it's mainly used for its fibers. It has uh, a great potential for making very strong uh, fibers, uh, biofuels, all different types of industrial applications, where the plant cannabis is the medicinal variety. That's where you, um, you know, get the flowers that appear, and the flowers are what really contains the most of the cannabinoids that uh, make up the, the plant. So uh, one of the ways that it's kind of differentiated, too, is there's usually not very much THC that's found in a hemp plant. So one of the ways that they try to make it so that CBD is in the, the, the gray area 
is if the THC percentage is under 0.03, then it's considered to only be a CBD product and um, they're, they're able to, you know, turn, turn a blind eye a lot easier when it's hemp derived because the THC isn't in the plant the same way it is in the cannabis plant. Mm-hmm. Now, you mentioned crossing state lines. Mm-hmm. That kind of got another thought going in my head. So if you are someone who has a medical marijuana card in your state, so let's just say I live in Minnesota, I have a medical marijuana card, and I travel out of my state, am I still uncovered by that card? Unfortunately, you are not. It is against federal law to transport it across state lines. So even if you are in a state that has a medical program and you're going directly to another state that has a medical program, the act of crossing over that line is still a federal law and you still could uh, face persecution for it. So it it makes it um, really hard for patients. Um, Mm -hmm. We have this patchwork of state laws that vary. Right. You know, if you were taking any other medication, you would simply bring it with you. Where a cannabis patient, they have to decide, do they want to be a criminal and take their medicine that they depend on for, you know, in many cases, actual survival or, you know, leave their medication at home. It's, it's a real dilemma. Yeah, that is. And, and, and I, I, I fully understand that that's why we need the federal government to regulate it, um, because then it would be much more uniformed, correct, across all the states if the federal government um, has more say in it. Absolutely. I worded that terribly. Um, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, no, absolutely. Um, if the federal government did have a policy that they understood medical cannabis to be legal in, you know, one state and another state and, um, you know, gave permission for patients to bring it um, to the various states that it is still legal, um, that would be a tremendous help to patients. Um, but we're we're working under the misnomer that the federal government is still stating that they don't think that there's any medicinal value to cannabis, which really, um, they kind of contradict themselves. I'm not sure if anybody that's listening has ever heard of the patent that the United States government has on medical cannabis uh-huh. as being a neuroprotectant and an antioxidant. Um, it's actually patent number 6630507, if someone wants to uh, read into that a little bit. So they do acknowledge that it has these medicinal benefits, but still they're labeling it as a Schedule One substance. And while it remains a Schedule One substance, transporting across state lines is always going to be problematic. So yeah, there you really know, needs to be a change there. Yeah, yeah. And do you know any of the history? Like, let's just look at an opioid-derived drug, like, you know, Oxycontin, for instance. Do you know any of the history there? Like, I mean, that's basically, I mean, for lack of a better word, it's basically heroin in a legal form, right? Um, how How did that become, like, medicine like you know what i'm saying like how how is it that we're having such trouble with marijuana but 
you know, we have all these other narcotic drugs that we are, are dispensing to patients. Um, I would say part of that probably uh, has something to do with how easy it is to make synthetic versions of the plant that produces heroin. Um, it's very hard for a pharmaceutical company to um, profit off of a plant. It's a lot easier to profit off of a synthetically manufactured substance. They've been very successful in taking the um, opium uh, plant and synthesizing it into the Oxycontin, the fentanyl, all these other um, mm-hmm. synthesized medications. However, when they've tried to synthesize the cannabis uh, plant, they've been largely unsuccessful. Part of the reason for that is what's known as the entourage effect. There's about 113 individual um, ancillary cannabinoids that make up the uh, profile of cannabis. And when you isolate just THC or you isolate just CBD, they don't have the same therapeutic effect as when they have the other ancillary cannabinoids combined with them, as well as the terpenes that are naturally occurring in the plant. So there really hasn't been a successful pharmaceutical medication made from cannabis. And I believe that the large part to do with why the difference is there. <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, and I think that's why cannabis is so popular amongst, you know, naturopaths and homeopathic medicine, because it is a plant. I mean, it is a more pure form um, because it has not been made into a synthetic. Um, would you would you say that's true? I would say that's part of it, and I would also say the people who understand medical cannabis understand that there is no potential for fatal overdose due to yeah. the receptors in the brain that receive cannabis. They're not located in the brain stem the way opioid receptors are. So you're not right. shutting down respiration. Um, the relative safety of it, I'm sure, is what has a lot of them very interested in using it in their practices. Yeah. Well, Maggie, this is really, really great information. And um, tell our listeners a little bit, so I mean, this does live on the East Coast, um, what can of care nooks? is and does what do you guys do and are you only in delaware you're you're also in maryland correct right we're actually in quite a few areas in the east coast so um (laughs) canicare docs we're a medical cannabis specialist we really specialize in the medicine uh behind cannabis and understanding it we have a lot of very compassionate well-versed physicians that really believe in using this as a medicine Um, We're based out of Massachusetts. We're in Maine, Connecticut, Rhode Island, uh, Delaware, Maryland, D.C. We're starting offices in Illinois and Pennsylvania in the coming weeks as well. Uh, We really pride ourselves in being a source of education. There's so much misinformation out there. We want to make sure that patients have the correct information and that they're able to use it most effectively as a medicine. So we do a lot of educational events where we go out into the public and speak with physicians and just really try to frame the dialogue in a more professional mainstream medicine type of way. 
what is your website if someone wants to find you? We're at canacaredocs.com. And is Canacare one or two N's? Two N's. C-A-N-N-A-C-A-R-E. Awesome. Well, Maggie, thank you so very much for being here today. This has been just wonderful information. And I hope that anyone who has been curious or interested in understanding more about medical cannabis, I hope that they really got some great information today. Um, And they can definitely find more information on your website. And if anyone is on the East Coast in one of your states, they can get in touch with you guys. So thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me on. It was a pleasure to get to speak with you, and I hope to be able to help people that have uh, traumatic brain injuries because, uh, you know, cannabis is one of the things that can help, and we definitely need to explore all options. Absolutely. So thank you so much, Maggie. I appreciate you being here. And thank you, everyone, for listening. I really hope that you got some useful information, and I hope that, um, you know, if you've, if you've had some questions or just not quite understood all the differences, I hope that this episode has helped clear some of that up for you. And definitely be sure to check out canacaredocs.com. And, again, another big thank you to our sponsor, Midwest Functional Neurology, the concussion doctors you can trust. Find them online at mnfunctionalneurology.com. Thank you all for listening. Thank you for being a part of my journey. Have a great day, everyone, and I will see you next time.